How much more money can good branding make your business and what does that even look like? Hi, I'm Jared Krause. I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast and today I'm speaking with Marcia Reiner who is the CEO of Infinite Profit Consulting. She's a speaker, three-time book author, podcast host and a powerful visionary. Business owners come to her looking to increase their revenue, boost profits and maximize their value of their business. She gets proven results with her powerful profit booster system, and she's able to show prospective clients a clear pathway to profit and a greater ROI by working with her team before they even decide to hire her as a coach at Infinite Profit Consulting. Now, Marcia and her team have you know, been doing this for years. They're financial experts with outside-the-box style creativity, which helps her clients to exponentially grow their company and maximize their value before an exit. Marcy also loves being active, traveling with her little dog and meeting interesting people. And she's got such a great podcast. And in this episode, Marcy and I talk about specific finances and things and finances business owners need to change to be able to be seen as more profitable for an exit and also what they can do to change things to grow as a company within their financial structure. We also talk about strategies to get more leads with the same amount of effort and no extra marketing or ad spend. We talk about increasing your conversions, ways that you can do that. We just talk about good branding and how good in good branding can increase conversions as well, but also retention and even your average order value. And then we move into my favorite thing, of course, mindset. We talk about self-made entrepreneurs. We talk about examples of how ego can be a good thing for business in some aspects on one side of the sword and on the other side of the double-edged sword, it can really get in the way of growth. And the last question I sort of talked to Marcia about is, you know, what her recommendations are for people that have sort of gotten to a stage in a business that might be after one, two, three, four, five years, they've gotten to a bit of a plateau and they want more growth, but they don't know what to do next. So there's so much value in this podcast episode. I'm sure you're going to love it. Let's dive straight on into it. Do you have a website you might want to sell either now or in the future? We have a hungry list of cashed up and trained up buyers that want to buy your content website. If you have a site making over $300 per month and want to sell it, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash sell your business or email us at info at buyingonlinebusinesses.com because we will likely have a buyer. Details are in the description. Marcia, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Jared. This is so excited to be here. Uh, you know, coming to you from Las yes, Vegas. Yes, from LA to Australia. Most people that do listen to the podcast are in the states. In fact, uh, right? Yeah, that's our biggest audience. Uh, like most online businesses, I guess. <laughs> uh, what we are, we are a bunch of entrepreneurs. That's for sure. And that's the culture. That's the culture of America. It's you know, pushing for growth and it's, it's cool. I, I really dig it. Um, what I also dig is what you do for work and what you have done and what you continue to do. And that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast. What stuck out to me hugely is you help people scale their businesses without having to invest in marketing and ads. Uh, and yes. There's a, you've got a, a few different systems and a few different ways you can do this. 
when somebody first comes to you with a business and they say, I want to, I want to scale this business. What, what do you typically first, what are some of the first questions you start asking them? Well, you know what? I think, um, one of the weaknesses with most business owners is the financials when it comes to their business. You know, they know their jam. They, they know what it is that they're great at. And, you know, oftentimes I see that business owners have mistakenly wrapped a business around a job that they do. Right. And so um, looking at the business from an outsider, I can see things that they can't. So I write right off the get-go, I go into the financials and not like a CPA would and getting all icky and talking in languages that they don't understand, but I look at it and I look for those gaps that are um, clear to me and oftentimes clearly missed by the business owner. We're looking at cost of goods sold. We're looking at operating costs and we're looking, the third factor that I really dig into is also how much are they you know, selling their thing for? Right. And and if we can get in and tweak those things, then it's an instant boost right out of the gate. Yeah. Awesome. So I was going to ask about finances a little bit later down in the call, but let's bring it up now. What are some of the things that you are looking at when somebody comes to you with their business in terms of finances and and what are some of the things that you you would help people tweak? So, um. The things that I'm looking at are, are, are gaps, right? Um, the business owner often has, at least in my space, and that's under, under 10 million in revenue, but they're already rolling in their business. They've got some momentum going, so it's not right out of the gate. So under 10 million is in the small or even depending on where you are, it could even be micro type businesses. But what I'm looking at is that they're often told and coached by their um, accounting teams and, and tax teams to run their lifestyle through their business so they can get the maximum tax deductions. And that's not always the best path for looking at the profitability of a company. And when you want to sell a company, the buyer's looking at how, what's the positive increasing cash flow? You know, is it profitable? Is the owner getting paid? You know, what are the expenses running through there? So, so really I'm looking at it from the angle of, you know, what would the buyer want to see to make sure that this is a viable company and that, you know, there's money flowing through it and there's profits on the other side. So I think that's really what I'm looking at is those gaps that they can't see and clearing out all the the junk and the garbage. I love where this conversation is going because we here are all about buying businesses and we know what we like to see when we're buying businesses. Some people are looking at buying businesses on the smaller scale or under the 500K range. Then you do have people buying them, you know, in the seven figure range. And typically what happens is you have the brokers or the sellers of the business will um, have expenses that will be added back into the business, for example, like cars and lifestyle things. Uh, are these the things that what you're talking about or are there other ones as well? Like what are the most, what are the most common things that would prevent people from getting a good exit price in terms of expenses? You know, you nailed it right on the head with the lifestyle expenses. You know, they, they, um, 
they have a boat that they bought in the company's name. Um, <laughs> they have, you know, a, an extra car. They put the kids on the uh, on the payroll, even though they don't really do anything. You know, the wife has a little something that she gets or the spouse has a little something that, you know, she's getting a stipend from. So, mm -hmm. again, they're looking to milk the company for the most cash out. But what it does is it affects the company that's buying it because they have to add all that back in and say, okay, where, where does this go? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it gets to be a little tricky and especially looking backwards three solid years on the company financials before they even, you know, in their due diligence, when they're going through to look at selling that company. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the buyer wants to know, does it make sense? You know, what is it doing? What is it? Is it really, truly profitable? And could the buyer milk the cash coming out? And that's often where you start to factor in the price, right? So if the, if the, if the buyer is going to get an instant return on their investment and they're going to be able to utilize that cash flow, well, then they're going to multiply that cash flow in the value that they're offering. But again, if it's all taken out and slid under the covers and reduced for taxes and they've got insane depreciation and, you know, just wonky stuff in there, it's going to be a little harder and they're going to negotiate that down. We certainly do. We certainly do negotiate that down because it's one thing to see, yeah, okay, I can understand they've got a car expense that I'm not going to run through the business. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, pay myself more of a wage or pay more money towards, you know, the marketing or whatever it is um, to grow it as a new owner. But it's still a little bit, there's still that fear of, hey, um, you're still spending the money. Is it really, you know, and you've got spending a lot of money on a lot of different things, cars, boats, um, coaching, wages for kids and, and partners and you're still on the other end as a buyer thinking, is it actually that profitable if I take away all of these things? So there's still that bit of fear there. I totally right. get that. Coming away right. from those finances and add back expenses and removing those and making the business look more profitable and it's really only going to be more profitable because, you know, you what we're, what we're talking about here is, is getting rid of those expenses. What other things do you look for? Like are there fees that, you know, merchant fees and things that you can help? Like I guess this is a micro yeah. uh, CFO role, right? Chief financial officer. In terms yeah, of that's, like that's grinding that down on the, on, the, on the numbers and the financials and looking for those gaps and stuff. But I think, you know, if we, if we step away from the financials a little bit, I think another area that is really, really, really important when you're looking at, well, of course, depending on the buyer, um, you know, there's multiple types of buyers, right? There's an internal buy where someone from inside or family member takes over the company. There's an external buyer that someone wants to take over and run the company as it is. It could be sold for parts. It could be sold for, you know, the, the, the client. It could be sold to assimilate the product into their new product. So depending on the buyer. But I think what really, truly makes a great attractive company is when they've got an opportunity with continuing purchases, right? Or sales coming through. So you've got that funnel and it's really flowing nicely and you trigger on it. Marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Marketing has to be solid in place with a consistent 
plan that makes the business continue to run. So whoever buys it has an opportunity to step inside and it's still running, right? And so that marketing and driving a new flow of consistent business running through the company, which feeds everything else, is really important. Yeah. Keyword, like you said, consistent. Seeing A buyer seeing that there's consistent sales and consistent money coming into the business means that if they stay on that same trajectory, they can achieve that and or yeah. they could put more inputs and resources into what's being done to hopefully double that but depends on where you know things may break in terms of scale. You know, there might be some growing pains there <laughs> that people don't ah, often yeah, consider. Absolutely. Yeah. Adjustments yeah. are always uncomfortable, right? Change is the thing that everybody hates, but it's absolutely necessary to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And if it's the there's a we'll touch on mindset later, uh, but the one mindset thing that I pick up on is that people might not like like change. The only thing that ever happens and is constant is change. So just accept it anyway. Um, yeah, roll can with try it. And roll it. with it. If you've got, if if you've got the bumpers on your on your uh, ego, then you can uh, you can continue along and know that change. You know, because your customers change, the economy changes. You know, the the world changes. Your business is going to change. So mm-hmm. just roll with it. Yeah, exactly. So I'd love to dive into your sort of profit booster, some of the strategies. I'll run through them for people so we can, and then I'll go through a brief after we chat about them, but you've got more leads, conversions, retention, average dollar per sale, what I like to call AOV um, for hospitality and um, the hospitality space that I learned. And then frequency of customers, we touched on that a little bit. Um, in mm-hmm. terms of profit. So I'd love to just go through sort of each one of those individually and sure. and speak to, all right, how do we increase or achieve that without extra uh, marketing budget? And the first sort of two are going to be um, maybe for me and for a lot of other business owners, harder to understand how you can achieve more leads with, you know, and more conversions with less dollars. I know that there's great ways that it can be done, which I have, um, but I love to hear how, you know, some of the strategies that you have around that, starting with, I guess, how do we acquire more leads without less money, with less money? Yeah. Well, I didn't say less (laughs) money without additional money. So I would assume you're running a business, so you're already marketing, right? You've already got some sort of, market plan going, whether you're buying ads or you're out networking or you're, you know, you're doing something to grow your business through marketing. But the fear when customers come to you and, and, or come to me and they're like, well, I've got to, I've got to grow my business. So the first answer is, well, let's just spend a lot of money on marketing. Well, that's not always the answer. The real Mm -hmm. true answer that I feel is tied to how you're driving your messaging, right? So if you're just saying, oh, I sell this, buy this, buy my, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Well, nobody's going to buy your stuff. But if you have a way to change the way you're communicating with your ideal customer and mm-hmm. not spending extra money doing it, but continuously spending the money you are doing it, and you can reach that customer and address the problem that they have, 
that they don't want and prove that you have a solution to their problem that they don't have yet and that you're the best laid solution and you've got a step-by-step -step method to do it, then they're going to feel more confident and open to buying. So that's, it's how you attract the leads and how you communicate to those leads that are going to increase the conversions and get more of those leads to come in, whether it's from 5% to 7% or, you know, 10% to 20% or even more so, you know, to reach a better audience and get them to come into the next logical step in your, in your funnel or your buying cycle. That's all done with the way that you communicate your expertise and that you can get that buyer to go, bing, my ears are perked now. You said something that I really want. Tell me more. And I think that's mm -hmm. the difference. So that doesn't involve more spending. It just involves better communications. Love it. Love it. And I, I love the also the hidden secret in this for businesses is it can allow you to get more leads, but also better leads and how is that the case if you are putting out your branding and your message some people are not going to like it and that is absolutely excellent because then you through your <laughs> exactly. content and through your marketing you get to disqualify those people and you don't need to bring them into your ecosystem you you disqualify or they disqualify themselves, I should say, outside of your ecosystem. So then you're only left with what's distilled down to the raving fans that are like, please take my money. I want to work with you. I'll do anything you tell me to do. Or I'll do, exactly. I'll, I'll, buy your, I'll buy your product and I'll use it how it's supposed to be used because you're telling me that this is what's going to get me the result and solve my problem. And, and uh, exactly. yeah, what are your thoughts on that? You're either attracting or you're repelling, but you never want to be in the mm. same, in, in the middle going, you know, <laughs> you never want to be stuck. You either want to be attracting or repelling your, your, your potential customer. So that's fantastic. And you can do both at the same time with one message, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's, um, it's so funny. So I do a podcast too. Um, my podcast is called Profit with a Plan. And I just had an incredible guest on uh, last week. Her name was Talia. And we talked about the funniest thing. Her hook was what really pisses you off, right? And it's getting that emotion this, involved in the conversation. Isn't that amazing? And it's getting the emotion involved in the conversation. It's not the action that anger does, but it's the passion that anger brings in that will really polarize the conversation. So I learned so much from her. She was amazing, but it was just, it was so fun to be able to work through how the passion that we have in our business is actually either attracting or repelling our ideal customer. It's so true because when i first started doing what i do teaching people to buy businesses i was frustrated that there was nobody out there teaching it so my passion came through as like this is ridiculous i need to teach you guys like to not get taken advantage of and then the passion became us versus them sort of like us buying the businesses versus the brokers and the sellers which were not against each other really but us standing up for ourselves and saying, no, we're not going to accept that these prices or we're not going to accept this business uh, or the way that you're selling the businesses because 
it's not actually valuable or worth that. And being passionate about that really allows people to bring it, bring, come into the ecosystem and say, yep, this, that person or what you're doing is, is awesome or hang on now. Nah, like I don't agree with that. And then cool. See you later. If you don't agree, move. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, you got it. You got to stand for your point. Mm. You know, I mean, you're, you're investing money in this company you it better make sense to you right and if it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to you then you've got to have reason and rhyme and 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 points as to why you're valuing it the way you the way you are and and what could change that and then you've got the the seller going well here's my point of view so it becomes a great debate i guess is 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 what it is but stick to your guns yeah we have a Stick to your guns. We have a lot of people listening that uh, have blogs and do a lot of content marketing and articles. And they may be thinking, how is this relevant to me if I don't have a product of my own to sell? And they're just selling affiliate products or selling, uh, you know, ad space on their site. Well, how it can ring true for somebody like that, in my opinion, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it is with your, if you're trying to help somebody become better at surfing, you can be passionate about your message and how you can help people become better at surfing and tell people why they shouldn't buy this surfboard and they should buy this other surfboard instead and share your passion. And that passion is your branding and that hooks people in to want to consume more of your content, which equals more affiliate sales and more you know, ad revenue. What, what would you have to say about somebody running a blog in, 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 this, in this light? So... So your message or your platform, um, well, your message and your platform that you're on is is super important to the engagement that you bring, right? So you're marketing mm. yourself as the influencer, and whether you're, um, forgive me, by you know, this is it's afternoon for me, so my 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 uh, my skill set changes in the afternoon than it does in the morning. But, um, you know, if you're out there hawking your goods, right, and you're like, well, I got this today and that tomorrow, and I think this guy's going to come in there, people are following you because you are the brand and you represent the lifestyle and status that they want and they desire and enjoy and want to be with. And if you drop a product that you're your favorite, right? This is my best uh, surfboard that I've been using because of this, 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 and that. And I'm going to drop a link and you ought to go check it out. They're, the relationship and the engagement is how you would deliver your pitch, right? Versus, versus just sticking the board up here and going, look at how cool this is. It's green, right? And it's got purple stripes or dark blue stripes on it, you know? And, and that's why I like it. It's different because the influencer or the blogger or, or so on, they become the product because of their status and, and who they are. So it's still the same thing, whether you're selling a service, you're selling a product, or you're selling somebody else's product or service. Mm. It is that attractive character that brings the person in. And if you're the attractive character for your company, then that same messaging and values and beliefs and, and appearance and, and actions and you know, layers of people that you surround yourself with are all really important to your brand. 
and it's all tied to the messaging. I mean, it, it, it seems like a spider web, right? It's all intertwined, but it really truly is. And it doesn't it matter is, yeah. what your, your thing is. It's how you present it in a way that is attractive and persuasive with a benefit to the audience that, that they're going to want that because you have it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to touch on retention next. Uh, and I yeah. guess a part of your branding helps retention too, right? Um, no. Um, I think when I talk about okay. retention, so retention is really important because oftentimes companies are always looking for the next new sale, right? When you're looking at your marketing, you're like, new, here, buy this. I need new people, new leads, new sales, new things coming in. But it is significantly more expensive to go obtain a new client than it is to nurture an existing client and get them to come back and buy again because they've mm -hmm. already given you their credit card. They've already shown great buyer behavior for you. And the loyalty to maintain that relationship is so very important. So it has to be like a, <laughs> a one-two punch, right? New client, existing client, new client, existing client. You've got to be able to package yourself in a way that can keep the existing clients that you already spent a ton of money to get and that can come back and repeat buy and refer you and, you know, be great advocates for you at the same time that you're going out and getting the new client that's going to come in and turn into that um, existing client. Does that make sense? I totally, yeah, I totally agree. We focus on retention heavily uh, in our business and I also help people to do so in, when I'm coaching them with their businesses. Do you not believe that branding can help with retention? Because the way I see it is that if you're, can, I know that like a lot of people that are in my community um, that are paying clients and even one-to-one -one coaching clients, they listen to my content. They listen to this podcast and like give me great feedback around it. And I they feel like just even this itself a part is, is good branding and brings people into my business. But also at the same time, it is good for retention because people are continually learning and the more value I continue to add, it's also, it just strengthens, strengthens, strengthens the relationship that I have with the people in my community, the people I do coaching with, and that the strength in that relationship, the stronger your relationship with, with somebody, the greater the trust, right? Which more likely they're going to continue to want to stay working with you. Now, let's talk about retention within the business for people that are already paying customers. What are some of the things and ways that you can retain those clients? Absolutely. So, um, you know, having opportunities to um, resell to those clients. So depending upon your product, right, or your service, do you have the opportunity? Is it consumable where they need to come back and buy again? Or mm -hmm. is there a next logical ascension that they would take? So maybe they bought product A and now they're ready to move into product B or service B. Those are great mm -hmm. opportunities to re-engage your customers because if they're already happy with you, they're surely going to be happy again to buy a second or mm -hmm. third time from you. Um, mm -hmm. And the only way that you can do that is through 
nurturing and appreciation and engagement, right? We don't want to just go, thanks for buying. Great. I'll see you whenever you need me again. No, you want to continue to market and engage them and have them let them know of things that are going on so that they can continue to participate. Like I said, if, if they sold product, if they bought product A, chances are they're going to want product B and C. They just need it when they're ready for it. So continue that engagement is, is the best way to keep them. And you mean engagement via email uh, or content? Yeah. I'll, how about all of the above? Because depending upon, you know, we know as consumers, um, our, our consuming style changes, whether it's email, text, uh, social engagement. Um, it could be uh, um, pieces that come out, content, educational pieces. It could even be a thank you party, right? Where you host a party and you bring them back in. So however your clients prefer to be communicated with, and then sprinkle in some alternative ways on top of that. But communication is, is key. And frequent communication. If they're already a customer, you probably don't want to pound on them daily. But I think if you're in their sphere of remembrance, um, maybe every few weeks to at the least, the very least monthly, then they're going to be, you're going to stay top of mind with them. So when they are ready to move into the next product or service or buy again, that they're not persuaded by your competition that's already hounding them when it's time for them to buy again. And they're going, wow, well, the competitors have a sale this month, so maybe I'll go try them. If you're not staying engaged with them, they're going to walk. Yeah, I love it because it's all about the, keeping the relationship alive. And I believe before the purchase, working back from another purchase or a first purchase, to get there, you need to get to trust. Mm-hmm. And before trust, you need to build a relationship. So mm. you've done all this work on building the relationship. They've got your trust. They're bought from you. Dropping the ball would be dropping the relationship and not having that engagement with them through continuing the relationship and continu- continuing to keep the love alive so when they're ready in their next phase of their journey, like, oh, I need this thing because it's it's going to help me ascend and get to the next level and the next step where I'm at uh, or what I'm trying to achieve. <clears throat> you know, I've got a relationship with this person already. I trust them. We hear from them regularly be- just or we are consuming their content regularly or hearing from them via email or hopefully not text because I'm not a big component of regular text from a company. Uh, <laughs> but that whatever your consumer the next logical step is like they would yeah they were the next logical step is like how could they not purchase from you when they trust you so much and you've got a good relationship from them if anything like they what can what can may happen they could may actually feel bad for not purchasing from you if the relationship is that strong right if you think about it in your own personal life, if you've got somebody that is doing something like a product or service and you know them and you've got a really good friendship with them, you may actually feel a little bit bad for going with another product or another service. And that can actually happen between two brands that you don't actually know people directly within the relationship. Well, and the worst part is your competitors are going after your customers. (laughs) I promise you. 
I promise you. So if you're not engaging with them um, with whatever they need, right? Regular communications, offers, opportunities, appreciation, um, you know, maybe it's a little something, something on the side. Hey, we got a brand new t-shirt we thought we'd share with you. We appreciate that you've purchased from us in the past. Here's a t-shirt, right? You know, whatever it is that you mm -hmm. can show and deepen that relationship with, then when your competitors are knocking on their door, they're going to go, no, I'm with Jared. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I'm, I'm taken care of. Thank you very much. That's where that loyalty comes in and they'll stay with you. But if you ghost them, Mm. You know, or you or you send the traditional holiday card or, you know, you send a, a you know, you communicate with them four times a year. They're gone. I promise you they have forgotten you and they're on to the next better price or sale price or someone made an offer that was attractive and they took it and they're gone. We really need to protect our brand, don't we? Like mm. that's so important. And like I've got a few ways that I feel that you, you can protect your brand and one of which is sparked from what you just said is like you don't want to drop the ball and not be in communication but you also don't want to say the wrong thing. Like if mm. you're in a relationship with somebody, uh, you know, friend or whatever, sometimes if you the, the words come out a little bit wrong and they just don't land correctly, they're like, oh, it might Ooh. be a little chink in the armour of the relationship there. And so we need to be pretty careful with what we do and say, right? Oh, absolutely. With, with everything. We're adults, right? We're professionals at what we do. And so having that, you know, doing that little bit of research on yourself and your own values and beliefs and morals and what you stand for and represent kind of goes back to that what pisses you off kind of thing. But whatever you stand for, right, um, make sure it's consistent across your brand. And that piece will come out in your writing. It, it'll come out in the things that you do, the way that you say, the way that you act, the way that you act when you're not at work, you know, whether you're a community involvement or charitable or what have you, you know, that all comes in. Um, you know, it, it's, it's people see you and they see you when you're not, when you're not meaning to be seen, right? Um, you go to the grocery store and you see a customer or you're, you're always wearing that brand. And so when you are a business owner, you have to represent yourself constantly. Yeah. I know that to be true. <laughs> and it's, and it's easy. It's easy to do when you do know who you are as a person and you know your own morals and you know your own values. But if you're questioning who you are and what you are, then, then it can be harder. Yeah. Um, or if you're trying to hide things, then it can be definitely a lot harder if you're so, not living within We have a great company. and holding yourself um, accountable. Regularly. We have a great company in, in, in Southern California that, that um, I really value. Um, he runs a roofing company and um, it's a, you know, he's had it for years. But the way he runs his business adds so much more to the branding than, you know, just being a good price. So he'll he'll go into the community and find needy people that need a roof repair and he'll repair it as part of his give back kind of thing. You always see him at charitable events and stuff like that. Now, that's not always what you have to do as a business owner, but when you get involved in the community 
however that may be. You could go out and do a food drive or you can, you know, uh, we in part of my business group, we did backpacks for a needy uh, back to school drive where we provided gosh, 250 backpacks for kids with all the supplies inside that they would need to start their school year. And it was like, it was so good feeling and everybody contributed time, energy, money, you know, and, and, and so on. But that looks good. And people want to buy from people and companies that have the same values that they have, whether it's faith-based or community-based or, 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 brand-based or things that they believe in, that's where they're going to spend their money to support that belief. And so, yeah, you got to be on brand all the time. Yeah. Love it. What about mindset when you're coaching somebody, say doing some, you know, one-to-one coaching, how much mindset stuff comes up when you're coaching people? One more time. Repeat that a little bit. We froze a little bit. I apologize. I'm, uh, I'm okay. in a hole. <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> I was just asking when you're coaching somebody one-on-one uh, and they're trying to grow their business and, and just be better, uh, what component and how much do you talk about mindset? Um, does mm. it come up much? And if so, like, you know, what are some of the common things that you work with people on in terms you of You know, mindset? I'm going to, Probably be a little controversial here with this statement. Um, you know, I work on my own mindset. Um, you know, I try and, and motivate myself in different ways and try and get through blockages and so on. We all have that. But you know what? Um, crazy as it may sound, I am very strategic, very tactical. There are results that I'm going to produce. And I have this kind of belief that if you've got a mindset problem, you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur because it's a hard road. It's a big <laughs> boulder to push up the hill. If your brain's not in the game with you, you got to be a driver and going. You know, you got to work extra hours. You got to do extra stuff. So, is I've got dear, dear friends yeah. that are mindset coaches, and there's a lot of beliefs and values, and I have my own personal journey I kind of go through, but. I'm, you know, I, it's, it's, I got tactics and strategies and I'm going, you know, there's things, action, do, <laughs> pick up the phone. Yeah. So, so for you then, like I'm the same, like, and I spot on agree, uh, you know, that boulder is your, as long as you're in business, you're pushing it, right? And it's always and it's uphill. Going up the hill. Um, always uphill. Yeah, sometimes sometimes the hill is is not as steep. Uh, Correct. But Correct. you've still got to keep you've got to keep an eye on things, right? So I'm the same. I love mindset, and uh, mindset is like an easy word to throw out there. But I love changing beliefs and having paradigm shifts and building mental toughness within myself you say you do some practices what you know would you be open to sharing some of those things that you have done or been through that's helped you yeah so um continuous coaching has been super important to help me continue to move forward um i think that you know it it came to me early on in my career that no successful business ever did it alone, right? You're not an, you're not on an island all by yourself. And so to reach out 
whether it's paid or mentorship or community or whatever, but reaching out to people that can shorten the, 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 the trail, right? Shorten the steps that you need to take. That's always been a top priority for me. I've invested so much, hundreds of thousands of dollars in my own growth and where it's led me is to be where I am today. And I could never have gotten there without that. Um, you know, it's funny. One of, one of my coaches and mentors um, said that you're paying for speed, right? So when you get involved and you, you, you look to those that have done it and that can see the forest through the trees where you can't because you're, you know, up to your chin in the business every day, that person on the other side can go, hey, have you thought about this? Or have you tried that? Or let me introduce you to somebody that can help you with this. You know, that kind of engagement has been a game changer, for me in, in my career and in my life, and even more so in my client's life, whether it's me or somebody else that have come in, or often it's somebody else that graduated to me that's going to leave me and graduate to the next person, you know, for the phase of their business. But these kind of things are incredibly important to the successful growth and scaling of any company. Nobody makes it alone. You don't have to shoulder it all and to get help from people that know how to how to make it a little easier and, and have done it in the past. Love it. You know, the statement that I, and I've spoken about this before, I really dislike is uh, the self-made millionaire. It's such, a, there's so much ego in that. And that's where you can start to see where ego really holds you back in growth. Your ego wants you to grow, but it's also a double-edged sword because it can give you that inspiration and that energy to just force forward. That part can be good. Uh, but it's also got that other edge where it's like, no, I can do this on my own and I don't need to put my hand out for help, which is ridiculous because – Anybody that's achieved it, like you said, anybody that's achieved any level of success has not just one mentor, they have a freaking team, right? Like if you just look at an athlete, just one athlete that is on the top of their game, they have a whole, t just a, just an Olympic runner. They have a team around them. 100%. Just one surfer. They have a team around them. Uh, one swimmer. They have a team around them and they've always got a team. Uh, I think I'd be lost without my team and I'd be like, I know the times that I don't have a mentor, I choose to uh, digest and process what I have learned and what I'm going through. And then once that, once I've learned from everything I need and I've had that space, then I'm like, all right, who do, who do I get on board here? Who's, who else is on my team now in this phase of life? Marcia, what, what advice would you give to somebody that has been in business for maybe five years and they're just thinking, all right, I want to like, they might be on that plateau, right? They might've gotten over hard growth and they're in a plateau and they've just, maybe it's after a year or two, they're in business and they're at a plateau. What advice would you give to somebody that's there? That's like, I want to like, they have the, the goals and the desire to grow the business and do good things, but they just feel a little bit ugh, stuck. 
Yeah, you know, stuck is an interesting word, and it comes with a whole lot of different things. I mean, you know, it could be a dozen different things that are causing them to be stuck. But more often, you know, we introduced it earlier, change is really important. Sometimes you just need to stand up and turn around or, you know, shake yourself a little bit and and think about what, you know, the... It's funny, the, the the phrase always sits with me. What got you here is not going to get you there. And so mm-hmm. you've always got to have that evolution, um, innovation, and improvement on what you're doing because the market is moving so fast these days that what used to be like, yeah, we'll evolve every couple of years is like, we got to evolve every quarter now. And so Mm -hmm. I think the best thing that I do with my clients is we're constantly planning, right? So I run a business plan for my clients. I help them develop it. We build it out usually for January sometime, you know, starting September. And so we start to plan it out. What are we going to do? And then that set of documents, which is a marketing plan, an organizational plan, a financial plan, a growth plan. It's all kind of stacked in there. But those things are open and evolving and they're living, breathing documents that need to be touched and massaged and adjusted on a regular basis. And we're not talking just your regular quarterly. I'm talking like you're looking at it monthly, you're looking at it weekly, you're looking at it daily, right? What are the three things today that I need to do that will help me get to my end goal? What do I need to do this week that will get me to my monthly goal? What do I need to do this month that will get me to my quarterly goal? What am I doing this quarter that will get me to my annual goal? Is funky as that is, and you know, some people don't like the goals and that kind of stuff, but that puts you on track and it allows you to be flexible and bendable because you can then anticipate changes that need to be made because you're working the plan as an active participant rather than just going, oh, what did we do last month? Oh, well, maybe we should, you know, well, let's see what happens this month. And if it's this month, then we can change it again, right? It's already too late. It's already too late. And I think that's what helps to have that view of what are my goals, right? I got clear, smart, whatever active goals they're doing. And they're not like ridiculous goals, but they're like some big goals. And then what are the little goals that you reverse engineer to get you to that big goal, right? Mm-hmm. And you just, you work them constantly. And for me and for my clients, that's been a, another game changer because we're active, right? We're, we're anticipating and moving, we're dodging and weaving and seeing the things that need to be changed. And when you're stuck, it's because you haven't done any of that most frequently, right? Whether it's with yeah. the clients or the business or, you know, the, whatever parts of the plans that need to be there, you didn't do your work and that's why you're stuck. So sometimes it takes a little bit of a stand up, turn around and get back to work and reevaluate where you need to go. Yeah. Or they did what they thought was the work that they needed to do, but it's what you've been what they may have been doing that's getting the same results like you said if you continue doing what you've always done you're going to get what you've always got exactly the 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 description of crazy right yeah insanity (laughs) marcy where can we send people to find out more about you and what you're doing 
Awesome. So um, thank you so much. This has been so valuable, Jared, to just have this conversation. And you really, each time I communicate like this, it, it you know, it brings up new ideas. It gets me excited again and, and talking about it. But you can always go, um, I've got a, I've got a website called infiniteprofitconsulting.com. And that's where all of my stuff is, my podcast, my blogs, um, my social media pieces. Um, and I even have a course that I'm working on right now that is an entry level course to kind of shake up your business and get things going. And it's called the 30 day profit booster. It's pretty amazing that I can stack three of my key strategies and produce a 45% boost in your net profit in just 30 days. If you do what I tell you to do, it's pretty, mm. it's pretty darn amazing. So um, I've, yeah. got a, I've got a link to that as well. Yeah. So by the time this goes live, people will, that should be finished and I'll be able to send people to that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been, it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm all over social. I'm always talking about, you know, increasing profitability, driving growth and planning for a future sale. So those are my pillars I stand for. Awesome. Love it. Marcia, again, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody that is listening, thank you for listening and we'll chat to you on the next one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, YouTube watcher. If you thought that video is good, you should check out this video here on the two best types of websites beginners should buy. Or check out my playlist on how I made my first 100K from buying websites and how to do due diligence. Check it out. It's an awesome playlist. You'll enjoy it.